0: turned on the light. they just didn't turn me up well, I just happened to be looking at one of those lights when it was off and it turned on and I'm still seeing spots I hope I don't run into somebody or run over somebody I don't know who it is well Mexico was an amazing amazing thing it was just it was crazy 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 uh, as, after the second meeting they were Surrounding towns, they were renting buses and driving in to hear and see all that God was doing. Uh, Miracle after miracle after miracle. It was was just the wildest thing. I've not walked in that anointing since T.L. was alive. It's a long time ago. It it was just crazy, crazy, crazy. So I told God, I mean, the first night I got there is the only night I didn't pretend to preach every single day at least once for ten days. I get there on the night, so I'm not preaching on the night, so I I said, God, I I need another message. I need another message. I I, I need a signature. I need something special. So, of course, what do I do? I get my Bible. I go through my Bible and there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, I go to sleep, wake up the next morning, got it. The whole thing. I don't know how, but, but I didn't dream it. I just woke up knowing it. And, uh, but, uh, tell you a couple of interesting things that happened. What really started the whole thing off was um, the first night I was there they brought a little girl up. She was about six years old, five, maybe six, and she was born with her eyes crossed. and she was just in line like everybody else and her mother was holding you know standing behind her and so I just laid my hands on her and, and prayed and moved on to the next one. and boy, it was on. A little girl's eyes just straightened up immediately, and then it was miracle after miracle after miracle till I came home. It just it's like like Wayne Meyer said. He said it took me six years to see my first mi- miracle in Mexico, and it took sixty seconds for me to see my second one. You know, it's just contagious. It just it's just good. it seems once you see one, you start seeing them in multitudes in multitudes. Then this is a, y'all. I think y'all are gonna. Um, like this one better than the little girl with the crossed eyes, just saying, we had um, this um, woman, and I vaguely remember praying for her, you know, and uh, she was in a healing line, and, 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 you know, she hit the ground, and, uh. The next night, she wanted to do a testimony. After I got finished preaching, she wanted to give a testimony of what happened to her the night before. Okay? So, she gets up there, and she's got a... She's speaking Spanish, so I I don't understand a word she's saying. Not a word. But look, and people are trying to keep from laughing. You tell, by the way, you know. So, my interpreter said, I said, "What did she, what did she say?" You know. And he said, "Well, there's three things that happened. She she had been studying the woman with the issue of blood because she'd had that she'd been bleeding for three months straight. And uh, he said, when you laid hands on her, she immediately dried up that fast. He said, and he was praying on my left side, but I'm left I'm deaf in my left ear." But I, could, but I could hear he said and now I can hear perfectly he said just amazing he said, and on top of that my hemorrhoids disappeared <laughs> I've never heard a hemorrhoid testimony before but I have heard one now I don't think I'll ever hear another one but it was pretty <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was pretty funny I didn't try to. I didn't try to hide it. I busted out laughing. You know. I mean, I just, I just couldn't help it. Oh, My hemorrhoids disappeared. Wow. Joel said, "Would you lay hands on her?" I said, "No, no, no. no. I said, yeah, no I, said, no, I did not. No, I did not. No, I did not." Um. How many of you know this the song about Zacchaeus? It's the first song I ever learned. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Huh? See. And as a savior, passed this way. Uh, y'all know the song. It's the first song I ever learned. So when I got I told God to give me a message, He gave me a message about Zacchaeus. I said, well, there's nothing special about Zacchaeus, you know. I mean, and then but but then He started showing me some things. Yeah, a little bit. He's, he's he's wee man. Like, on, y'all know the show Jackass, right? Wee man. Hey, wee man, kick yourself in the head. You know, y'all know that. But he was a wee little man, a little small guy. But I'm going to have Angel read um, from Luke 19. Um. <laughs> all you guys that watch that show, I can see them. They're all laughing. I can't quit laughing because I've seen Wee Man kick himself in the head, right? I want to have uh, Angel read uh, Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. This is the story of the wee little man, Zacchaeus, like
1: okay? Paul's reader. I'm not sure why. But anyway, all right. So we're in Luke 19, verse 1 through 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was because he could not, because of the crowd, because he was short of stature. I can relate. He was probably on his tiptoes. Yes, I can can relate. That's why, exactly why. Angel, wee little girl, wee little woman. Verse 4, so he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass by that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, and he came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor." And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost.
0: The reason I got her to read is because she reads so well, and she got the best voice in the room. And another reason is... Um, My Bible is smaller than my notes, and I forgot my glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, one more question. Should I cut my hair or not? (laughs) Men, y'all shut up. Jessica definitely wants it. Huh? Anybody want to keep it? Yeah, there we go. I got I got some people. Well, it'll grow back. It's not a big deal. My hair grows so fast. No, no, I ain't cut it front. I ain't never. I, yo, shut up. All right, here we go. Let's get into the word. Uh, Look in the very first verse. Where was he at? Jericho. Where's the greatest battle that Israel ever fought and won? Was at Jericho. Jericho. Jericho, it was a prestigious place to live. It was very large, and uh, it, it was like the French the, the Riviera of Israel. You know, I mean, that's where homes of the rich and famous, you know, that, that type of place. And, uh, and Jesus was walking through there, and that's where Zacchaeus Lived. All right? Where was he? Jericho. 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 Very big city with many rich and powerful people. Verse 2 He was not a tax collector, he was the chief tax collector of Jericho, one of the richest cities in Israel. He got a cut of what everybody, all the other cut, uh, tax collectors, Cheated and stole from people. He got a cut. He was like the Don Corleone of Jericho. He he was a godfather, cartel, whatever you want to call it. He got a cut of everything. He was a rich, rich, rich man. See, but we sit sing the song, we don't see how rich, how we don't see the whole story of Zacchaeus. And we kind of played Zacchaeus off out of the Bible as a is a non is a non preachable thing because he didn't ever do, did anything ex- exceptional other than steal, so I never have preached about him. But when God gave me a message, it was about Zacchaeus. And I asked him, I said, "Why did Why did you give me a message about Zacchaeus?" He said, "Because nobody nobody's preaching about what happened to him." Okay, I'll do it. This is a message that I preached when that little girl got boom. Her eyes straightened up. Very rich, very powerful, and he was a very feared man. People were scared to death of Zacchaeus. He had so much money he could he could have have anything done to you that he wanted. You didn't talk bad about Zacchaeus. He just didn't do it. Verse three. Important. He never met or saw Jesus before, but he wanted to see what the big deal was. It didn't say that he wanted to get saved, it didn't say he wanted to get healed, he didn't say anything about it. He just said he wanted to see him. Wanted to see what the big deal about Jesus was. So what did he do? He couldn't see him. Why? Because he was a weed of the land. Little short guy. He was a fun sized person, and so yeah, I preached about Jeremy in um, in Mexico. I have a golf partner, my my children's pastor. And I called him fun size. He didn't like that at all. But but he was he was very he was a lot smaller than Jeremy. Very small. Very small. We is very small. (laughs) But he wanted, but he couldn't see him. But he wanted to see Jesus. That's all that it says about it. He wanted to see Jesus. He didn't want healing. He didn't want prosperity. He didn't want prosperity. He got through greed. He, He didn't want, he didn't want to be delivered. He didn't want anything from Jesus. He just wanted to see what the big deal about this guy was. He heard, heard talked about him, and people talked about. Him. He said, "I got to see this guy." So he couldn't see him from where he was. Verse four. He was a very strategic thinker. He ran ahead where he thought Jesus, where he believed the current direction that the guy was, that Jesus was walking. He projected about where Jesus would would cross. And sure enough, people started coming and he still couldn't see him. So what did he do? He climbed up in the tree, got on a limb where he could see Jesus. Are we there yet? Yep. I don't know if you know it, but you are. He couldn't see Jesus just holding on to a tree. It said he climbed up in a sycamore tree. And the sycamore tree is not the sycamore. The sycamore in, in the Middle East is not the same sycamore that you see here. Actually, the sycamore tree in the Middle East is actually a form of a fig tree. So there's a lot of limbs, a lot of them. So you had to climb out on a limb to see Jesus. What's the big deal about this guy? What's the big deal about this guy? He climbed out on a limb. So when when Jesus passed, he could see him. Verse 5, Jesus saw him and knew his name. He climbed out on a limb to see Jesus, and that's where Jesus saw him. You're not getting this. You're not getting this. You're not getting this. He climbed out on a limb to see Jesus, and when he got out on a limb, that's when Jesus could see him. See, we're stuck trying to be safe. The people that get the reward will climb out on that limb to see what Jesus is going to do. We don't live that way. We don't live our lives that way. We live our lives in comfort, which is wrong. It's, to be honest with you, it's out-and-out out sin. You are called to be soul winners, period. You exist to win souls, period. You don't exist to, to be a, a praise leader. You don't exist to be a pastor. You don't exist to be anything in the church. As a member of the body of Christ, your sole purpose is to win souls. You were in the soul business, and I've never been to a church that was everybody in it was all out and out soul winners. A lady once told me, she said, if I could just reach, if I could just lead one person to the Lord during my life, I'd be happy. I said, you need to aim higher. You need to lead, change that to one per day, and you'll get better and better and better at it. That's not our our job. Is to take as many people with us as possible. We're to people, the people that we love. We've got to win those souls at every single cost. We can't just say, you know, you know. I hope one day, man, when you get to heaven and they're not there, how are you gonna feel? I don't think y'all realize how real hell is. Torment forever and eternity. My old friend led me to the Lord said Eternity is too long to be wrong. And it's true. It's true. Our job is to win souls. And then what did Jesus say in the fifth verse? He said Hey, can I come over to your house and eat? No, he said, I must stay at your house. I must. In other words, God showed him something about Zacchaeus that he had to go to his house. I must. I don't know of another place in the Bible where where, where it says, Jesus said, I must. It was important. It was important that Jesus go to Zacchaeus' house. Very important. He had to go. That's what he told him. I must go. I must go. Now Zacchaeus, was in the 6th verse, said he, he hurried and received him joyfully. He didn't know the man. He didn't know he was the, you know, the, uh, the deliverer. He didn't know he was the healer. He didn't know that he was, a, he, he was the only way to heaven. He didn't know any of this. He just got excited because he got... The main dude everybody was following saw him up in the tree and said, Hey, man, I must go to your house today. He got excited. He said joyfully, joyfully. Now, he was a rich man. And the the the, the this, this pictures that I saw on the wall in the church where I was, they had pictures of that I kissed and Jesus. And a little tiny one-room bill, you know, and they're sitting there. This man was extremely rich. He had, a, he had servants. He had maids. He had a chef, probably a masseuse. I know that's the first thing I'd get if I was rich, is a masseuse. I if you, you haven't ever had one, don't, because you'll keep spending money on it, I promise you. Wonderful. But he was a rich man. He didn't, he didn't offer Jesus a piece of bread and cheese. He made sure that there was a whole spread laid out for him. He was a rich man, excited and joyful that Jesus saw him and wanted to come to his house. So I'm sure that he laid out a big spread, right? Well, y'all are just y'all are dead today. What did I tell y'all? Participation is praise. Participation is required. Boy, I'm preaching a lot better than y'all are hearing. And I hadn't even started preaching yet. I'm just going over the back of the the scriptures right now. All right. Bueller. Bueller. Ferris Bueller. What if I preached like that? Then we'd be even. I can say that now. I'm not the pastor. (laughs) I didn't mean it. I'm joking with you. Then the crowd all got mad, and it says they all, not some of them, all of them complained. He's going to go out there and eat with that rich sinner. Well, they were all sinners. The whole lot of them were. But they were looking at you. Oh, now we know he's going to go to where the money is. How many? How many times have y'all heard that about a man of God? They going after the money. They going after the. Mo- Let me tell you, it takes a lot of money to spread the gospel. It, it's just. But that's not the reason Jesus was there. So he went in. All the people complained. Hey, Jesus, and they were sinners, and blah blah blah. And they were the they were the biggest sinners of all. You know, sinners always gossip about other sinners. Always. That's why it's a sin. Gossiping and backbiting is a sin. Why? Because God doesn't want his children talking bad about his other children. Verse 8. Nothing is recorded that Jesus said other than I must go to your house up to this point. Cool. And all of a sudden, Zacchaeus said, I'll give half of all my goods. Goods doesn't mean money. It means money and possessions. Half of everything that I have my house, my stocks, my <laughs> options—you know, my everything that I have. My 401c. Uh, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. See, I'm thinking about 501c3. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I'm gonna give half of everything that I have, all of my goods. In other words, I'm gonna have a big sale, and half of everything that I get, I'm gonna put that with my money, and I'm gonna give it. All, I'm gonna give it all the way to the poor. Jesus never asked him to do that, never even suggested that he did that. It's just that when you get in the presence of the master, conviction comes. He never never stood in front of Jesus before, but the minute he did, he felt convicted. He felt that he had wronged people. He knew that he had to make things right without Jesus ever saying a word. There's people that get saved every day without hearing a word from Jesus. It's just a conviction falls on them. You don't have to to hear God's voice to get saved, but conviction comes. And that's what happened. He got in the presence of the Master, and conviction came upon him. Then he said, and... uh, if I've taken anything from else, I restore fourfold. In other words, if I took a buck from them, they're getting four back. This guy is giving away his wealth. Everything that he had, giving it away. Where are we at? Oh, I'm good. <clears throat> what did that do? Salvation came. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. That's what Jesus said. Salvation came because of what he did. The conviction came. Jesus saw I had a change of heart, and He said, "Salvation has come this day to your house." You don't always have to say the the sinner's prayer is not word by word by word. I never forget Rob, my pastor, um, for years and years. He said when he got saved, he was mowing the grass. He went to a church service. He was, he was born Catholic, and um, he went with a friend of his to um, church, sat on the back row. He didn't even make it through the first, all the service. He said, the man's, the man's talking about me, and I don't like it. He, Rob used to love to fight. And uh, <laughs> and so he got him walked out. That afternoon, he went out to build his grass. He's mowing his grass and finally said. He fell on his knees. and said, "All right, I give up. I give up. God, I'm yours." That's when salvation came. It was not. Of course, he went through the rest of it after he learned what he'd done. But but it's not always word for word for word. What about the the four guys, the guys that lowered the man into his into the uh, tore the ceiling off? he said he saw their face and you and and now you're saved because of one man because of those four men's faith that one man got saved do i know how that works no i don't know but i know it happened i know it did it's important who you hang out with in Alright, here we go. This is this 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 right here to me. God showed me this, and it was really interesting. Verse 8. Generational blessing came many people. This is money that would change people's life. It was four times what they were taken from them, some of them. Generational blessing came. They saw what happened to Zacchaeus, and maybe they became a Christian too. Therefore, their children were raised. In the way of the Lord. And their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. Y'all don't understand how important it is when somebody gets saved. Especially a man with a family. When a man with a family gets saved, 90% of the time, the rest of the family gets saved. It's important. But there were men. Women didn't pay taxes back then. Men did. I wish it was that way today. You know, because, of course, I got to cover ginger taxes, too, to keep my hair long. Let me cut it if I don't pay them. But no. Generational blessings started. People, generation after generation after generation, was saved because of what Zacchaeus did in his repentance. Because he that was repentance. I'm going to give back to everybody I stole from, and fourfold. That's repentance, you see. In America, we don't know what repentance is. We know what forgiveness is. God, I sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's not repentance. What Zacchaeus did, that's repentance. We got to see that. There needs to be an action to forgiveness. There needs to be an action to forgiveness. If you if you don't repent, you're not you're not getting forgiven. It's it's sad, it's sad. But in America, we've lost the repentance and just say, "God save me, save me, save me." Okay, I'm saved. Go out and sin and sin and sin and sin. I, I'm forgiven anyway. How many of you ever thought that? I did, sure did. You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise it for you, all every one of you. I know I'm sinning. I need to stop. Before I got saved, I was in the middle of a sentence. I am so going to hell for this. I thought I actually said that. Awful, awful, awful. Thank God for forgiveness. All right, now. Now I can preach. I've given you everything, every verse. You know, we got got it. Here we go. Here we go. Numero uno. Un poquito espanol. That means I know very little Spanish. Number 1 Living isn't measured in years. It's measured in moments. The moment he rep- repented became a movement. People got saved, they got everything back, they got blessed. All everything was being good. Moments lead to movements. And that's what happened right here. Hmm. This is the name of this message. Life on a limb. We must learn to live on a limb like Zacchaeus. We've got to take a risk. We can't just wait for the lost to come to us. We can't wait for the sick to come to us. We can't wait for the wants to be delivered to come to us, we have to get out on a limb where Jesus can see us and say, all right, here, here's what I want you to do. Risk is where reward lives. Way out on the limb. That's where it lives. Opportunity doesn't come with a flashing neon sign. I wish it did, but it doesn't. But to get out, but to get out on that limb and see Jesus. More importantly, he sees you when you're reaching out for him more than he does at any other time. Come on. Gosh man. Zacchaeus was hated. He was small, he was probably scared of the crowd, he'd stolen from all of them, but he decided to take the risk, and he did, and he paid off big time. I don't think I've told this story to the church, but how I met T.L. Osborne, did y'all know that story? I wanted, I wanted to travel with T.L. Osborne more than I wanted a million dollars, I'm telling you. That's what I wanted. I wanted it. He had preached to more people face-to-face than any man in history. He walked in miracles and healing. I wanted to travel with that dude right there. That's who I wanted to travel with. I, that's who I wanted to, to help mentor me. But he, there's no way he was going to pick me. So I just decided I'm going to pick him. I'm going to take a risk. So I knew a lady named Anna Jean Price that her and her husband in the 50s, they were in Thailand working with T.L. and Daisy Osborne. They were very close people, very close friends. And so what I did was T.L. was preaching out just outside of Houston, and this lady lives in Dallas, so I drive from here to Dallas, pick that old lady up. Drive all the way to Dallas, and we get there, and we sit. And we watch when T.L.'s preaching. And so he got bodyguards off. So when he gets finished preaching, he gets down on the stage. They put these bodyguards around him. He's walking out. And I said, come on, Antigene. And I projected where he was going to pass like, like his did. And, and T.L. looked up and he said, Antigene. Oh, my gosh. And they hugged and they started talking. He said, come with me. Come with me. And she said, well, can can, can this man come with us? She, yeah, yeah. Is he with you? Yeah. She, yeah, he with me. Come on. Bodyguards hated me. The pastor that sponsored this event was some kind of mad, because He wanted to spend time with T.L. And Anna Jean was taking all his time up. And he was giving me some dirty looks, and I did not care. I knew I was this far away from meeting T. L. Osborne. I could see him. He was as close as Roger was from me. They were talking, and boy, they were catching up on old times. And 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 uh, Angie said, "I want you to meet somebody." She turned around and pointed at me. And I'll never forget this as long as you live, as long as I live. I was so shocked by it. He walked up and he said. My name's T.L. Osborne. How can I serve you? Uh, uh, you know, I said, I want to go. To, I want to travel Africa with you. I just told him. I got out on a limb, projected where he was coming from, broke through the bodyguards, and then told him exactly what I wanted. I want to travel Africa with you. I want you to be my, my mentor. He said, All right, he said, not a problem. He said, God told me to serve you. So he said, give uh, give this man your email. And I said, I'm not giving him an email. I said, I've already sent him. I I sent him one twice a week for the past month, and I've not heard one response from him. He said, trust me, he'll get back to you on this one. I'll make sure of it. Then that guy hated me. I was making enemies left and right, but I was—I formed a relationship with the one I wanted, and I traveled Africa with him, and he taught me so much. But you know what? If I was played it safe and said, you know, maybe, maybe he'll rec- maybe he'll call me out of the of the crowd. You know, I've seen them, people do. Maybe he'll, he'll you come here. That's happened to me before several times uh, by men of God. I mean, amazing men of God. But this is the guy that I wanted. So I took a risk. But I got my reward. You're never going to get your reward unless you take a risk. Unless you get out on that limb where Jesus can see you. Well, thank God a little bit. Hey! You know, one of my pet peeves, that doesn't translate in Spanish, but one of my pet peeves are... uh, When somebody, I'm going on a trip, and they say, "Be safe, be safe, be safe, safe to be." You know it's dangerous out there. Be safe. It would have been easy for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow down. Been easy for Daniel to bow. But he shut the mouth of the lions, and he, put, he was the fourth man in the fire. It would have been safe for them to just bow down and ask forgiveness. But they didn't. They said, this is the God I serve, and I'm not bowing down to that stupid thing. I'm going to kill you then. See, the Bible is full of of people that live their life out on that limb, willing to take that risk to get something done, you know, to do something for the kingdom of God. You know, if, if, if you take all of those people out of the Bible, you may have eight or ten pages. You can't live safe and be a Christian. you got to be a risk taker. Get out on that limb. Go do the things that nobody else would do. And you'll go places nobody else was gone. Woo! Man, yeah, man, 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 man. You got a tough crowd on me this morning. Woo! Oh. All right, I'll hurry up then. Since my commitment to Botswana, I've broken my femur, I broke my neck, and jacked my hip up. Huh? Yeah. I'd rather be hurt. Because I've seen thousands saved, healed, and delivered by the power of God. I wouldn't have seen that if I'd stayed home and stayed safe. Those people go to hell because I wouldn't step out and get on that limb. That's the way I look at it. Those people wouldn't be healed if I wouldn't have got out on that limb and took that risk. I got you, Yo, just read what Paul said all happened to him. Look at what happened to Jesus. He wasn't even supposed to be crucified because he wasn't supposed to survive the scourging. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get heart hurt, and sometimes you're going to get physically hurt. When you get out there, and you get out there and and live that life out on that limb and live a life of risk, you're going to get hurt. I'd rather get hurt for the kingdom than anything else. Pastors know this better than anybody because the people we minister to the most are the ones that hurt us the worst. Mm. I got a name for it. Y'all know the story of the rich young ruler? What's his name? Nobody knows. Not, it's not recorded. You know why? He didn't accept the risk. And now he's not mentioned. You don't know his name. He would have been the 13th disciple. He asked Jesus to be his disciple, and he, and he couldn't do it because he wanted to hold on to his possessions. There would have been, there been 13 disciples instead of 12. And he, he might have written a gospel in the Bible. What would have happened if he had took a risk? What would have happened? Are y'all getting this? It's important that you do. Live a life of adventure and abundance by living on a limb. I've got, I'm have going to be about 560 six, five minutes over. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of you have heard this story, but there's a lot of you that hadn't heard it. Uh, I was in... Uh, Africa, and um, I had a driver who was also an interpreter, who was also a pastor. His name was Richard White Akamea. and Richard, we dri- He had a car. Of course, air conditioner didn't work. And the windows were down all the time. He couldn't even put them up. And it was, a- it was in Africa, of course. You know. So that night after after service, we're driving along. We pull up to a stoplight, and there is nothing but prostitutes on this corner. Hey, white boy. I like me some white boy. Come on, baby. Let me in that car with you and I'm just like, Oh, thank you. We drive off. I look at Richard. I said, is there a place around here we we can rent a bus? He said, yeah. I said, can you drive it? He said, yeah. So we went. The next afternoon, rent a bus. Drove up. I got out. Prostitute's there. Oh, yeah, baby. How you doing? You know, I you know how it goes. I said, hey, there's 50,000 people up there at that soccer stadium. Imagine how much money you can make if I take you up to that soccer stadium. <laughs> Most of the people there are men. Oh, yeah, we like that. What you cut. They all got in the bus, man, went up there, T.L.'s preaching, and they're working the crowd. And 14 of them got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. I got a big picture of them. I'm in a bus with me sticking out with 14 prostitutes. Sure did. Somebody, we just started church when that happened. And I had one guy, he was a really pain in the rear and I was so glad when he left. I was about ready to run him off anyway. He said, he said, I don't know where the money goes. So after I get back, I get that picture. I put it on the screen. I said, you don't know where your money goes? goes to prostitutes just like this. <laughs> Tell them the story. But you know what? I told T.L., he said, I like the way you think. That's one of the most creative things I've ever done in my life. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. All right, here we go. We're going to finish it. Have an abundance mindset. Abundance is found out on the limb. If it were easy, everybody would be living the blessed life. But it's not easy. You are a soldier in enemy territory and not fighting. You got to get out there and fight. Get out there and fight, fight, fight. All right, I'm just close to being done. Blessed should be the trademark of Christianity. Out on a limb is where the fruit is found as well. You can go out there. I thought it was either Greg or Ginger or somebody... Preaching about pruning, how you have to how you have to prune peaches or whatever whatever your whatever tree you're getting to, so that you so that more fruit will be produced. So you got to get out on that limb to prune. You got to the the fruits found on the limb. What happens is some Christians they just sit on the ground, leaned up against a tree, and then grab the fruit and eat it. They're not producing fruit; they're consuming it. You know what? They're soul winners and consumers. Ah, man, man, man! I'm gonna stop. A leader, a leader, must risk everything for souls in the kingdom. You know why? Because once you read he- leave, once you reach heaven, you can no longer add anything to the kingdom of God. You're put on this earth for a very brief time. Very brief time. And as far as eternity goes, it's a a second. You know? But you've got to do all that you can do to win souls and change future generations. See, when you, you win a soul, it's a generational thing. Their children get saved. Their grandchildren get saved. We've said this today. Great-grandchildren get saved. How many of y'all want to see that in their lives? Yeah. We've got to do that. In order, in order to do that, we have to take a risk. We're not taking it for ourselves. We're taking that risk for somebody else and their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. We're changing the world one generation at a time. What you do today... It's gonna go on for over a hundred years. You never know, maybe a thousand. I don't know. But I know that if you don't take a risk, you're never gonna get a reward. Amen. Stand up. Stand up and we'll stop. If you got anything wrong in your body, come on down here. Let me let me uh